This morning, I want you to go with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, I had mentioned last Sunday that I originally had thought that our, our little mini-series <clears throat> on uh, He's Still Working On Me would just be three weeks, three Sunday mornings, but um, got halfway through it. And uh, the Lord reminded me of a truth that really I, I'd not forgotten. I just hadn't tied into all of this. And, um, and I realized at that moment that I, I was not going to be done until we had a fourth Sunday, um, which doesn't hurt my feelings whatsoever. Y'all, y'all understand I have no problem continuing things um, if it becomes necessary. <laughs> but uh, but we, we've dealt with how the Lord is he's still working on me. We dealt with how he's faithful to do his work and the fact that he is, he is the one who brings salvation. He is the one who does the work of forgiveness. And um, then we talked about not only is he faithful to do his work, but he's faithful to uh, sustain his work. And, uh, and sustaining being the fact that um, he, my salvation, my eternity is settled, but it's not within my hands to keep. He sustains me in this life. Uh, he's the one that gives me strength and ability uh, to handle that which I, in any other way, the peace of God that passes understanding. He's the one that gives me the, the sustenance to be able to take care of and handle that which in this flesh I could never do. But then he sustains all that it takes for eternity to be settled. Um, I am, I am, according to the Bible, I am in Christ. Christ is in the Father, and it's all sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so, therefore, uh, I am uh, threefold uh, protected by uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. My eternity is settled and held and kept by Him, not by my abilities. And therefore, He sustains my future and what's coming. Uh, and then we dealt with last week how he promises to equip his work. And that is dealing with that sustaining me in this life. Um, I am incapable of doing what it is that I'm supposed to do in this life through the flesh. So therefore, if I'm going to accomplish anything for him, he's going to have to equip me to accomplish it. And he's promised that he will. He promises that he will give and he will equip he will teach, he will grow us, he will provide for us uh, with every battle we're going to face. If we allow him to, he will equip us with everything we need to face it, deal with it, and come out the storm on the other end, having learned, grown, and having a greater testimony for him uh, in, in the end of it all. But uh, may I say, the waves will always be above your head. I, I, I believe it, was, uh, it might have been a song, but at least a statement. That, uh, that when the waves are over my head, they're still under his feet. And so he is the one that provides the equipping to handle life's ups and, ups and downs. He is the one that provides the equipping to handle the emotional struggles that we might face. And, uh, and therefore he has promised that he will do what it takes if we allow him. He'll do what it takes in me in this life to deal with and handle and perform all things that he desires for me to do as his child. But then to this morning, as, as we are finishing this up, 
I was reminded halfway through all of this that there is another area that he is faithful to that we'll see here in 2 Corinthians and several other passages this morning. Um, But from the very beginning, when I became a child of God by receiving Christ as my personal Savior, he did something in that moment that is also provided for for him to do things on a daily basis on a regular promise to me throughout my life here on earth. And that is this. He is faithful to restore his work. He's faithful to restore. 2 Corinthians, if you're with me there, look at verse number 17 down to verse number 21. 2 Corinthians 5 starting in verse number 17. Very familiar passage as a whole, but uh, let me just read these for us. It says, starting verse number 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing. Oh, this, this, verse number 19, uh, you could just about go nuts on it right here. Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I, I, don't, I don't have time to stay there right now, but that's a mouthful. Through Christ reconciling the world, the opportunity of rejoining that which was lost. Doesn't mean that Christ died on the cross and every man was saved in that, that moment. It means Christ died on the cross and the ability for reconciliation for the entire world was made available. And through reconciliation, it is only possible because he does not impute, he does not place, he does not condemn with our trespasses for all eternity. You're punished, period. No, it is, I am, if if we get reconciled through Christ, if reconciliation happens, the imputing of trespasses, the holding it over as a guilty stain will not be there. He will not impute. In other words, God does not wait for you to mess up. If you're a child of God, he does not wait for you to mess up so he can pull that history and say, yep, just like you were before. God does not take your trespasses after salvation, take your trespasses and hang it over you like a hangman's noose in order to make you feel condemned 24-7. Someone does, though. There is someone who that is his MO, his mode of operation. That is his standard operating procedures. And that is our enemy. When Christ, or I should say, when, when the Father, through, through the word of God here, made a promise that he does not impute the trespasses of those who have been reconciled. When he promised, I won't do it, Satan said, well, I'll take up the, the responsibility then. And God said, I'm not going to hang it over you. And Satan said, but I love doing that. By the way, uh, when, when you are falling 
into despair as a child of God and you're falling into depression as a child of God with the weight of all that you've done. That's not God putting that over you. That's Satan hanging it over you saying, see, don't you feel condemned? See, don't you feel worthless? See, don't you feel ridiculous? The Bible says that God does not impute. He does not place it on our account. He does not hold it over us. All the trespasses, once we've been reconciled, reconciliation balances the entire scenario. All right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Hold on, moving on. Verse number 20. Then, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto, reconciled to God, for he hath made him, who's him? His son, Christ Jesus. He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This morning, I, I, I just want to, I want to look at this understanding of how God is faithful to restore his work. I remind you, everyone here is a creation of God. You are a work in the fact that you are here. God created man. And every man born since Adam and Eve, since the creation of mankind, every individual, man, woman, boy, girl, every single person that's ever lived, even down into this day and will live beyond now until the Lord returns and all is over, Every single person is a work of the Creator, God the Father. Are we all His children? Not in the sense of salvation, apart from those who've received Christ as their Savior. But we are a work of God. And we are alive because He continues to allow it. So even a lost person is a work, but it is a work that God seeks to restore. Restore what? Well, we're going to look at that. He restores through a word called reconciliation. And uh, we're, we're going to look at these thoughts very quickly this morning. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to really help us because I, I need his help through this. So it's not, uh, I don't want to confuse us this morning. I want it to be clear, simple, and uh, encouraging for every single one of us from the word of God this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would meet with us through through this time. Lord, we Pray that you would take your word and make it real to us. Bring it or bring it down to our level of simplicity of understanding of how you would seek to reconcile your prized creation that was separated because of sin. Lord, would you help us to see this reconciliation through salvation, but then also, Lord, would you help us to see the promise of restoration that you give to the child of God as well. Lord, would you help us with this? We need your help. Would you show your truth to us, make it real, that it might be applied personally in our lives and we might live today better than we did yesterday and tomorrow even more for you than we do today. And we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Reconciliation, by definition, is, is, is this. I'm going to give you a couple of <clears throat> different understandings. 
with it. But reconciliation is the act of rejoining parties at variance. Parties that are on opposite ends of the spectrum. It, it, there, there's, there's two different positions and, uh, and there are parties that are on two different platforms, you might say. And there needs to be a bridge of reconciliation that there is no other way for these two separated parties to ever be joined together again without reconciliation. And uh, it is the process of restoring back together what had once been separated. Uh, go with me very quickly. I'm going to have you go to a couple of places, not all of these, but just a couple. Colossians, if you would. Uh, Colossians, just a, um, a couple of books over. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16 uh, down to verse number 22. Uh, we're going to go to several passages. Why? Because I want you to see this is not something I'm just teaching. It's what the Bible actually presents and teaches. God himself has given this to us to understand. Colossians 1, 16 through 22 says this. For by him were all things created. There we go, creation. That are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. We breathe, we live because God allows it. And he is the head of the body, the church, talking about Christ, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, there's the resurrection of Christ from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. No one's more important than Christ himself, especially in the church. For it pleased the Father that in him, Christ, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were, this, this is another wonderful, wonderful verse. You that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Verse number 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. You know Christ is your personal Savior. You have been reconciled through Christ who on the cross became sin for us that what was required for reconciliation to take place could be accomplished since we could not do it for ourselves. Before we ever knew or desired to be reconciled to a holy God, a holy God desired that we would be reconciled to him. We had no desire for him prior to him having first a desire for us. In looking at this and understanding God himself, and, and this is what people cannot forget, we cannot forget, God himself is about restoration through reconciliation. That's what salvation's all about. Restoration 
through reconciliation. Uh, may I say, in our world today, and it's, it's, it's been around for a while, but it is prevalent that I've run across a few of them even recently. Um, I have no use for these individuals. I have no use for these ministries. But there, there, are, there are ministries, there are churches, there are preachers out there <clears throat> that revel in their hatred of sin. Now, that's why they claim it, okay? But actually, they almost go to the point of it's not really the sin they hate, it's the people that are sinning that they condemn and they use Bible out of context, but they use Bible. They have to ignore a lot of, of what it is that Christ died for. He, Christ died for the ability for reconciliation to happen. And through reconciliation, restoration of that which was unworthy and lost and pathetic and could not do anything for itself, God desired to reconcile the issue and restore the creation that he loves. May I say, regardless, outside of the sin, we've already mentioned it several times, but outside of the sin of rejection of Christ himself, outside of that sin of rejection, there is no sin that what Christ did on the cross and shedding his blood, there is no sin that cannot be covered. That might be a double negative, I don't know. But whatever it is in English, it still makes good sense. Every sin that man has committed save the sin of rejecting Christ, which, again, we've, we said before, if you reject the source of forgiveness, you cannot have forgiveness. That's why it's unforgivable. But every sin save the sin of rejecting Christ is a forgivable sin. Why? Because God, he is not a God to whitewash and sweep under a rug. That's not what we're talking about. But God is a God who desires and wants and seeks reconciliation and restoration. Why is it that many times as independent Baptist, I can only speak for what I am. I'm not going to speak for other groups. But for independent Baptist, why is it sometimes we get so stuck and so hard and so stubborn that we do not want to see restoration. We want to see condemnation and deal with it. That's right. Suffer. Suffer for your sins. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are consequences for sin. And don't get me wrong. God is not going to whitewash and just wash away all consequence of sin. But there's never a time that God is not about restoration. Because if that was the case, Christ would have never gone to the cross. If there was even a, a, an ounce, just one little speck of chance that God would not want reconciliation, he never would have sent his son. For that one little bitty speck of, nope, for that one little bitty thing, I don't want it. He would not send him. Why? Because it was, recon it was reconciliation for all. God is about reconciling. He is about restoring. And may I say, God's people should be the same. Not covering. Not making excuses for. But how can one who has... Two things. How can one who is lost 
ever have hope to being forgiven and saved if, if restoration and reconciliation are not presented and offered? And how can one who may have gone astray, by the way, if you're in the fold, he left, the shepherd left the 90 and 9 to find the one. That's not salvation. Think about it. Common sense. Why is he? That would be going after something that's not a sheep to make it a sheep. It says he's, he left the 99 to find the one who went astray. It means it was already in the fold and somehow, for some reason, left the comfort of the fold and went out on its own and got itself in trouble and he's leaving the 99 to go find the one that went astray. It means it already had to be in possession before it went astray. Otherwise, it wouldn't be astray. It'd just be none of mine. I want to add it in. It was not an adding in. It was a bringing back. God is about restoration. I, so many different uh, stories and, and, and presentations in the Bible about this. The sheep, the, 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 one, the one that went astray back in. Uh, the, the, y'all know this one, right? The prodigal son. The prodigal son is not a picture of a lost person getting saved. It's a picture of a child of God getting right with God after nearly ruining everything. But I remind you, when the child of God came back, when the son, when the son came back, the father was waiting on him. The fa- oh, oh mm, mm, not, this is not my notes. Y'all are messing me up. All right. The father was waiting on him, but here's the thing. The father didn't go and pull him out. Just as our heavenly father, God is a, as my dad used to always put it, God is a perfect gentleman. He never forces himself into anybody's life. So when it comes to salvation, you come to him, he doesn't force you to come to him. You choose him. May I say, when it comes to a child of God that goes astray, he does not force. Now, he will chasten, but he does not force someone. It still has to be a choice to come home. The, the prodigal son's father did not go find him and force him back home But when the son came home, he was waiting and he had been watching and he had been longing. And when he came home, he didn't say, sure, you can be a servant, but you're going to start at the bottom. You might be able to work up, but you're going to, you're going to, you know, go, go slop the hogs or go do whatever over here. Probably didn't have hogs. He would have been a Jew. So it would have worked that way. So go take care of the sheep. But, uh, but here's the thing. The father did not say, when he came back and said, I'll just be a servant. I'll just be like one of your servants. That's all. I, I don't need anything. I don't even need to sleep in the main house. I'll just, you, just give me a cot somewhere as long as I can be here instead of out there. I'm so tired about there. I can't do any more out there. The father said, absolutely not. I've been waiting. Now, here's the thing. When the son came home, Not everything got put back the way it was. When the son came home, he lived in the picture of what we're shown. I know it's a parable, but in the picture of what we're shown, shown, the son did receive things to make sure he was still declared to to be what he was. You're still my son. Get a ring, get a robe, set the table. My son is home. But he came back with scars that were not wiped away. He came back with loss that was not made up for. 
he came back with struggles, but he was back. And see, that's what God's about. He's about restoration. He's not about wiping away all consequence, but he is about restoring. I remind you, even when it came to David and David numbered the people, he should have numbered the people. Uh, and God said, you're, you're going to choose one of three things. And he said, Put me, let me fall in the hands of God versus the hands of men. And so God brought about uh, the, the, the pestilence, the plague, and all, all that he brought through, and it, and it was sweeping through, killing people, killing, killing, killing. There were people dying because of David's sin, and David had had all he could take. The heartbreak of the consequence of his sin was, was, was too much to bear, and so David said, peradventure that God will have mercy, and he went to the threshing floor of Aaronim, and he offered before the Lord, and he begged God, Lord, let this be enough. God didn't stop it because he was done with what he intended to do, God stopped it because he saw and he had compassion and he said, you know what? It's enough. I see repentance. There has now been restoration in his heart to me. I'm gonna forego the remainder of the consequence. Did David face consequence? Yeah. Did he get away with anything? Absolutely not. Thousands died and he had to live with that. But God was still merciful. Now, all of that, to get back to our point, reconciliation and restoration is always God's desire. Now, reconciliation as a whole is the result of salvation. Let me give you some verses. Hebrews 2, 16 through 17. For verily he took, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He is the final and ultimate high priest. By the way, the high priest, just so you know, the high priest was the, was the mediator between the common man and a holy God. The high priest was the one who was man, but would have to make sure he cleansed himself completely inside and outside, cleansed himself before coming before the presence of God on behalf of the people. And by the way, if there was a speck of uncleanness in him or on him, he was killed. New person takes his place. The high priest was the one that mediated between God and man with the children of Israel. And Christ, our mediator, our high priest, the final high priest. Why? Because he brought the final sacrifice for our sin and was completed, and through Christ, we have access to the Father directly. I don't have to go to a man and say, will you please go before God and talk to him for me? I have access to the throne of grace myself as a child of God. That is what my high priest, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of glory, gave me by reconciling me, sinful and lost, to a holy God. And now I can go to him directly but back to this he's a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to god to make reconciliation for the sins of the people 
Romans 5, 8 through 11 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. We have been reconciled through Christ. Now, let me just give you a, a slight understanding. I'm going to move kind of quickly if I can with this. But reconciliation is also a process where a ledger of actions is balanced with a required proof of payment. Y'all catch that? Where a ledger of actions is balanced with a required proof of payment. In financial accounting, this is called a bank statement reconciliation. The bank sends a ledger of actions. Removal, 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 removal. All these removals of money. And then you balance your bank account and what's happened this past month, all the ledger of actions are balanced with the proof of receipts. $55. Yep, yep, got it right here. Proof of payment. Okay, that, that, that's, that's where that went. We know where it went. We know what, what account that's on. We know that has been cleared, balanced. And we go through, and by the way, if you do reconciliation on a bank statement properly, right, Miss Rebecca? <laughs> if you do it right, you come out with a zero balance. All is accounted for. Everything on the ledger has proof of payment and where it went and what it was for. Balanced. May I say... As a sinner, there was a ledger of actions. There is a, a, a recorded ledger, a book of all that I was guilty of and would be ever guilty of. And to a holy God, it required proof of how that's all been paid and how it's all been taken care of. And the only way for the account to be balanced only way for the account to be done, done for and proven clear is for all provable payments to balance out with the ledger of action. And when I received Christ as my personal Savior, there was an application to my ledger that proved every bit of payment has been successfully qualified and finished, and on my ledger of actions is a stamp paid in full. Fully accounted for, fully covered, and it's covered in blood. Because when I receive Christ as my Savior, my account of actions, my ledger, was balanced with the blood of Christ, reconciled, Zero, done, over, balanced, complete, 
finished. There is nothing outstanding on the account of this soul. Is that making sense? Through Christ, my account has been reconciled. And because of that reconciliation, now comes the opportunity of restoration. Uh, I, I, I couldn't help it. I pulled this out. There's a song in our hymn book. Anybody guess which one it is? The old account was settled. There was a time on earth when in the book of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. I went unto the keeper and settled long ago. Long ago, down on my knees, long ago, I settled it all. Yes, the old account was settled long ago. Hallelujah. And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away when the old account was settled long ago. Christ settled the ability for reconciliation on the cross, and I settled the acceptance of reconciliation and the ability for it to be on my life when I receive Christ as my Savior. And once reconciled, now I can be restored. Restored to what? Restored to what sin broke apart. Restored to what sin severed. God, holy God, wanted to dwell with and walk with and spend time with and fellowship with his prized creation, mankind. He loved man. Man was there to glorify God. Man was there to praise a holy God. Man was there to fellowship with a holy God. And sin severed what God had planned. But Christ brought about the opportunity for reconciliation of the problem. And as I was reconciled and my account was settled upon the moment that I received Christ as my Savior, now, now I'm a child of God and I can be restored to all those things which sin separated me from. I'd love to take you to Ephesians 2. I don't have time. But write down Ephesians 2, 13 through 18 if you're taking notes. Ephesians 2, 13 through 18. Powerful passage of Scripture. I'm not going to it now. Trust me, we'll get to it eventually anyways. But Ephesians 2, 13 through 18, very powerful concerning reconciliation because of salvation, as a result of salvation. Here's the last thing. I'll say the last thing. I've got some subpoints with it, but, you know, quickly. Restoration, now let's, here you go. Reconciliation is the result of salvation. Restoration is the heart of a loving father. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father. Now I understand this is Old Testament and this is dealing with the children of Israel, but the principle and truth still applies to the child of God today. Thou art our father. We are the clay Thou art the potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. We are clay that God wishes to form. 
Prior to salvation, the clay was separated from the master potter. Formed in creation, but not able to be worked on. Not able to be part of the collection of what God, what belongs to the potter. But upon salvation, there's reconciliation of the original creation to the one who created it. And now the potter can put that vessel back on the wheel and finish what he wanted to do in the first place. And as the potter puts that vessel back on the wheel, we have a promise of several things that we can be restored to. We can be restored to fellowship. He is faithful to restore the fellowship. 1 John 1, 5-7. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In other words, you can't walk and act and do like the world and say you fellowship with God. <laughs> the two things don't mix. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. What are you saying? That's a work salvation? No. Uh Uh-uh. Salvation is already taken care of. Eternity is already settled. This is the regular understanding. If I walk in the light, he cleanses me and I have fellowship one with, with, with with him and with the brethren. What is that cleansing? I believe, I'll, I'll share this a little bit more in a minute, but I believe a lot of that, that cleansing, that promise of cleansing, it is a, a daily washing of the guilt that we would have to live with if we didn't make it right with him. Think about it. Growing up in a home, you got parents. If you had a father, and your father told you to do something, and you didn't do it. Or better yet, he told you not to do something and you did do it. That's it. You're no longer part of the family. You're kicked out. You don't get their last name. Your bloodline's changed. You have, you have no DNA at all. You would, if, they, if they took your blood and all that kind of stuff, they did your DNA, you would, you would not even test in the family any longer, right? Because you disobeyed something you were supposed to do in the family. No. You're still part of the family. You can't get out of being part of the family. You're in but you're not right. And when you're not right, you don't have fellowship. And, and, and when you're not right, uh, there, there's, there, there is a, by the way, when you're not right and you know it, there is a little bit of a guilt that just rests on you. Y'all ever watch kids when they know that they're guilty of something? Nobody knows what it is, but they are guilty. They know they're guilty of something. They get around people that they don't want to be around. They get real fidgety. They get real nervous. Or better yet, what I found is, and the Bible is very true, in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. <laughs> when, you, when you get around people who are guilty of something, just let them talk. They'll spend hours trying to justify themselves on something that we didn't even know was something they had to justify themselves with. They'll spend hours revealing everything because there is something weighing on them. They are not right and it's bothering them and they're, in their mind, they're constantly trying to make it okay for them. Why? Because there is a guilt 
there is a sense of wrong. And it, for the child of God, it bothers you. And it's going to keep bothering you every single day until you say, Lord, you know, you know I failed. I'm your child, but I'm not right with you. Please forgive me and take this annoying, irritating guilt that I've been trying to just swallow and push away. Lord, would you just take it away from me? Sin in this life for the child of God will always produce a burden of guilt that you'll have to live with until you get it right with your father. I'm not asking for re-salvation. I'm just saying, Lord, <laughs> please cleanse my mind, cleanse my heart, cleanse my life. Lord, cleanse me. I have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Moving on, the restoring of our joy. Psalm 51, 10 through 12 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit, which means that it was there before. Maybe it went away. Maybe, it, maybe the cares of this life just kind of choked out that, that right spirit that should be within me. And I'm, I'm a little mean-spirited lately. I'm short. I'm snappy. I'm, Lord, I don't have a good spirit whatsoever about me. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence which means I must be in his presence at times. So therefore, if I'm in the presence of God, there has to have already been a reconciliation that took place. And Lord, I don't want to be cast away from your presence. Lord, I don't, I don't want to be out of your presence. I've got to have you around me at all times. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. By the way, he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. But, but though he will not leave me, I can quench his presence and work in me. Lord, help me, is what he's saying. He said it right here, verse number 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. When I allow God to do what he wants to do, he restores. Through salvation, I get to experience what he always intended. But in this life, if I'm not careful, I can walk astray like the one sheep that leaves the 90 and 9 thinking like a dumb sheep. I can go out there and I can figure my own way. Do you know what happens to sheep when you walk them around a building, you know, 50 times? Walk them around, walk, walk one sheep around a building 50 times. Same, same thing, even make a trail for it and then let that sheep go his own way and go walk around that building. He'll never make it. Because before he gets all the way around, he's going to get distracted over here, he's going to get distracted over there, or he's going to see something and take off on his own path. Sheep have to be led and guided and shepherded. That's why the Lord is my shepherd. He can restore the joy. He can restore our testimony. We know these verses, 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9. We did 5 to 7. Here's 8 and 9. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We're sinners. Even if I'm saved by the grace of God, I still battle this flesh. But verse number 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's that cleansing again. There's that going to bed at night with all the guilt of knowing I failed him, I failed him, I failed him. How about we just go ahead and get it right and let him cleanse the guilt 
that Satan would love to hang over our head. God's not the one hanging it over our heads. There is a natural tendency for guilt to exist when wrong has been done. And Satan will hang it over us. The Lord says, if you'll bring it to me and just confess it, just don't hide anything. Be an open book before your your heavenly father. If you'll be an open book and you'll be honest, I will cleanse and I'll take care of it. In other words, I can give you peace of mind when Satan wants to hang it over you and cause you discouragement. Now, by the way, when you're getting it right, it means you're repenting. You're saying, Lord, I am wrong. Help me. (laughs) Heavenly Father, restore unto me. It can restore our testimony. Testimony within myself, testimony outwardly. Last thing, can restore our usefulness. Restoring useful. 2 Timothy 2, 19-21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Oh, this is good. You ready? And this is New Testament, not Old Testament. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. He doesn't guess at it. He knows. He knows those that belong to him. And by the way, he said, my sheep hear my voice. If you're of the flock, if you're a child of God, then you know when he's speaking. And when he calls, we can, we can respond, we can answer. Restoring our usefulness is that the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. This is always a a prerequisite of importance. Must depart from iniquity. You know Christ, your Savior. You're not supposed to be living the fleshly life. We're supposed to be living a purified, holy, separated life. Why? Because the only way I can be useful, the only way I see myself ever being used is when I don't give Satan something to slap me down with. Right? Every time I give him ammunition, he loves to shoot it back. So the Lord says, listen, live holy, separated, consecrated. Those that are in Christ and those that have been reconciled through Christ, we're to to depart from iniquity. It goes on to say, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, some to dishonor. If a man therefore... Purge himself of these. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. How do I become useful to God? I need to let him restore me where I need to be, and I need to go ahead and just stay there. He restores the fellowship. He he restores the joy. He restores the testimony. And through it all, if I let him, he restores the usefulness of this child so that of myself, I have nothing to offer. But because Christ is in me, if I allow him to do the work in me, he wants to do, he can then restore my usefulness and do a work through me for his glory. And by the way, just so we're clear, God does, God does intend for all of his children, 
for those who are the child of God, for those who are the church, you know Christ is your Savior. He intends us to have the same heart he has. Say, prove it. I'm glad you asked. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Which, by the way, is the law of grace. The law of Christ is grace. What is that? If you're a child of God, we're supposed to have the same heart of God. What is God's heart? Restoration through reconciliation. Those who have not been saved... Those who are lost in their sins must first be reconciled back to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And once that's been reconciled and that account has been settled, it's now time for the opportunity for restoration to take place. And that promise of restoration is not a one-time thing. You say, preacher, I fail. I get that. And God still seeks to restore. Preacher, I've messed messed up and I I, I done did it this time. He said, if if we are faithful, if, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that cleansing accomplish? It accomplishes the ability for us to be restored back in his presence where we never should have left in the first place. He finds the sheep. Oh, say this and I'm done. Okay, ready? There are some that are so stubborn, they keep going. If you read about shepherds, there are some that they have to take extra measures with. What they do is, because this particular sheep is so stinking stubborn and going to do its own thing, No matter how many times I go get it and bring it back. Go get it and bring it back. Waste my time. Go get it and bring it back. It still goes off and tries to do its own thing. It wants grass on the other side. (laughs) Sometimes that shepherd will take that sheep and in love will break its leg. And then that shepherd, as long as the sheep ain't too huge, that shepherd will take that sheep and it'll, it'll put that that one, especially the young ones, that typically they're the, they're the ones that go off the most. Is that not true? But you take, you, they take that, and you take that one with a broken leg and you put it over its shoulders. God's got big shoulders. And he'll carry that sheep everywhere. As that leg is mending, he carries that sheep. He carries that sheep. Why? Because that sheep is as close to the shepherd as any sheep can get for a very long period of time. And what happens through that time is through the pain, through the hurt, through the undesirable thing that happened, the sheep required what was required to be right with the shepherd because it had to have the shepherd to get anywhere. It couldn't handle anything. Couldn't walk. It was lame. 
so the shepherd would carry it. Once that leg healed, the shepherd would then place the sheep down to walk on its own. But do you know what that sheep's tendency would be from that point forward? The tendency is to stay where it had been so long, it had just gotten used to being right there by the comforts and the securities of the shepherd. I don't want to go out there. I like it right here. And in love, it hurt, but it was not meant to harm. It was meant to bring that sheep to the point where it didn't want to go anywhere else. I want to stay with the shepherd. I want to stay as close as I possibly can. I don't want to wander astray. I want to be in his fellowship at all times. And through that, it was a restoring of the desire of the sheep and the desire of the shepherd reconciled into one decision. I want to be with you and you want to be with me. Let's just stick together. God always seeks to restore. That's his heart. That's the reason for salvation. Restoration through reconciliation by Jesus Christ for the lost and by Christ even for the child of God. No matter what has happened and no matter what consequences I may face because of it, I can always be by the heart of the Father restored to the fellowship He desires at all times. How is your fellowship with the Father today? How is your walk, your service, your joy today? Is it lacking? Is it struggling? God desires to restore. Why don't we just let him do the job he wants to do on a daily basis? Heavenly Father, we again thank you for...